Welcome to The Internet Says It's True, where every week we learn something that sounds made up but is really true, part of the WCBE podcast experience. My name is Michael Kent. This week's story is a rewind episode, meaning that if you've been listening to the podcast for a couple years, you may have heard this episode before. I had an incredibly busy week with shows and events, so I decided to do a rerun this week. But I'll be back with a brand new episode next week. So for this one, we're revisiting one of the weirder stories to come out of the Cold War. It was first released on August 30th of 2021. Hey Mike, this is Mark. I sent you a story about the time that Pepsi traded some cola for a bunch of Soviet ships. This sounds like a pretty cool topic for your podcast. You should check it out. Thanks, Mark. I agree. This is a good topic for the podcast. I spent the week looking into it, and when Mark says ships, he means it, like actual naval warships. This is nuts. In the summer of 1959, American Vice President Richard Nixon and Soviet First Secretary Nikita Khrushchev met inside a home in Moscow. They were followed by countless press secretaries and aides and multiple television cameras who had broadcast their meeting in color. The home wasn't real. It was an exhibition set up in Sokolniki Park to show off the American way of living to the Soviets. In addition to the model home, more than 450 American companies had booths set up to show off their products. A similar exhibition would be set up in New York City to show Americans the Soviet way of living. It was all part of the American National Exhibition, an effort to improve relations between the U.S. and the Soviet Union in a time when things were heating up between the two countries. The intercontinental ballistic missile had just been invented. The two countries had very different ways of living, two very different forms of government and economy, and in addition to bringing in three million visitors who would marvel at the exhibit in Sokolniki Park, it would be the site of what became known as the kitchen debate between Nixon and Khrushchev. Nixon and Khrushchev. These are the historic, almost unprecedented scenes from the American National Exhibition in Moscow. Whatever is to follow here may be important too, but for raw news interest, it is the pre-opening inspection by the American Vice President and the Soviet Premier, which will be recalled long after the first U.S. show window in Russia will have passed into memory. In front of television cameras, the two men walked around the American-style model home and debated the merits of capitalism versus communism. America was already becoming wary of the Soviets and their way of life. For the last decade, the House Un-American Activities Committee had been seeking out and blacklisting people in Hollywood who they claimed had ties to communism. During the kitchen debate, Khrushchev condemned the Americans' use of gadgets in the home, like the handheld lemon juicer. After some amount of bickering, the two men decided they should find areas where they agreed. This is where we meet one of the key figures in our story, Donald Kendall. Kendall was the head of the Pepsi-Cola Company's international operations, and he was in the right place at the right time. As the debate between Nixon and Khrushchev was heating up, he helped to cool the tensions with a cold cup of Pepsi. Each of the men sipped the Pepsi, and this led to an exchange about how Pepsi tasted just as good when made with water from Russia. Khrushchev loved the drink, and a seed was planted. Now, at this point in the story, we have to skip forward a bit, which is hard because a lot happened right after the American National Exhibition. 
John F. Kennedy becomes president, the Cuban Missile Crisis, Kennedy is assassinated, Johnson becomes president, the war in Vietnam, USSR invades Czechoslovakia. We can't get into all that because for this story, we need to jump to 1972. When Nixon became president, he was looking for ways to improve relations with the Soviets. At this point, the Soviet leader was Leonid Brezhnev, and the two countries came up with a deal to open 20 Pepsi bottling plants in the Soviet Union. It would be the very first American product manufactured there. And part of the deal was that their rival, Coca-Cola, couldn't be marketed in the USSR. Pepsi would ship over all the supplies needed to make cola with Russian water, and in return, well, the Soviet currency wasn't worth anything outside of the Soviet Union. They couldn't pay in American dollars because there weren't enough American dollars in the Soviet Union. So what they came up with was something creative. Stolichnaya Vodka was a company that was owned and controlled by the Soviet government. Pepsi was granted exclusive rights to import and market Stolichnaya in the U.S. The Soviets get Pepsi, the Americans get vodka. Seems like a good deal. And it was for a while. But then, geopolitical tensions got in the way again. So I urge you to speak out against those who would place the United States in a position of military and moral inferiority, to ignore the facts of history and the aggressive impulses of an evil empire, to simply call the arms race a giant misunderstanding, and thereby... The USSR had invaded Afghanistan. The Americans helped the Afghans defend themselves. Now President Ronald Reagan and Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev had been working to improve relations once again. But for the American public, the damage had been done. Many Americans refused to buy Soviet products, including Stolichnaya vodka. As Reagan left office and George Bush became president, Pepsi wanted to build 26 more bottling plants in the Soviet Union. But the Pepsi for vodka deal was no longer working. They needed to figure out another solution. And that brings us to one of the weirdest trade deals in history. And we'll get to that after a quick break. The Internet Says It's True is happy to be sponsored by The Power of the Streak. This is an easy-to-read book by author Kara Wood with the best idea yet for consistent exercise and staying motivated over time. That part I read, this part I'm telling you from the heart, I struggle with working out regularly. You know, I'll go back, I'll start exercising, and then I'll stop after a couple of weeks. Or I'll go a week and a half, and then I'll stop. And I learned that I'm not the only one who this happens to. So Kara has a similar story. Kara was, you know, basically without motivation for years. And she was able to find that formula that got her to flip the switch, and she hasn't looked back. She actually has been able to stick with it through uh, the methods that she teaches in her book. So she tells her story of starting and keeping a running streak for 12 busy years while having a demanding career, two kids. I mean, she has the, the secret to, to exercise no matter what. Her story is funny, it's relatable and inspiring, and she explains to you how you can do the same thing with any exercise. And it doesn't have to be running, which is hard on your knees and hurts your feet. And this isn't just the internet saying it's true. Even a cynic will leave feeling motivated, inspired, and excited to commit once and for all to long-lasting exercise and fitness. The book is called The Power of the Streak by Kara Wood, and it's available in all formats where books are sold. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, 
You can also get the audiobook on iTunes and Audible. So make sure, you know, you, you learn all about this. Go pick up the book. You can also follow The Power of the Streak on Instagram. It's just at The Power of the Streak and Twitter, Power of Streak. I think that you will enjoy it. If you love listening to this podcast every week and you want to show your support, that would mean a great deal to me. You can do that by becoming a Patreon member. We've got members at all levels, whether you want to pledge $1 a month or $10 a month. Just think about the value that you receive from this show. And if you like the histories and the stories that you learn about or the jokes that you hear, and if you think that they're worth it, consider signing up. For that, you get every episode ad-free and a week early, access to bonuses like the unedited videos of the guest appearances, and 20% off all merchandise. You can sign up today at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. That's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. There was a time that humans used 100% organic products as healing balms and moisturizers for their skin. Well, I've partnered with an awesome company that wants to get back to those times. Fatco sells organic and responsibly made tallow-based skincare products. For centuries, humans used tallow in skin moisturizers and healing balms, but Unfortunately, the topical application of these fats seemed to stop around the same time that animal fats stopped being considered part of a healthy diet. A lot of modern skincare products do more harm than good by stripping your skin of its natural oils. Let's change that. You can try them out now at fatco.com and get 15% off your order by using my promo code INTERNET. Go to theinternetsaysitstrue.com slash deals for the link. The Soviet Union's invasion of Afghanistan had turned many Americans against buying Soviet-made products. So as a result, no one was buying enough Stolichnaya vodka to account for the amount of Pepsi being sent to Russia. It was 1989, and there was one thing that Gorbachev's government had a lot of. Surplus military equipment. Pepsi's Donald Kendall by the way, was still involved. He was retired, but serving on the board of directors for PepsiCo. The deal that Gorbachev's government came up with was to give Pepsi 17 diesel-powered attack submarines, a cruiser, a destroyer, a frigate, and a few oil tankers, 20-some ships in all. Pepsi accepted. This raised more than a few red flags with the American government. But here's the thing, these ships were pretty much all obsolete. These loud diesel submarines had been replaced by quieter nuclear-powered subs. The ships were old, rusty, and hardly usable. Even so, the government didn't like the idea of a corporation holding such a large naval fleet. That's where we get this amazing quote from none other than Pepsi's Donald Kendall. He said to the Pentagon, I'm dismantling the Soviet Union faster than you are. The ships weren't seaworthy, most of them listed to one side. They were only valuable for scrap, so as soon as they could, Pepsi sold the ships to a Swedish company for recycling, and they used that money to fund their shipping and bottling operations in the Soviet Union. But here's the punchline, and this is true. For a short time, from the time they received the ships to the time they sold them, the Pepsi-Cola company was the sixth largest naval military in the world. Hey! 
Now it's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend, and today I'm calling our friend Eric Tate. Eric is a comedian and a magician. He was recently featured in the New York Times for his work on the show Ships of the Northern Fleet. Mr. Tate, welcome back to the show. The internet says it's true, is uh, is happy to have you back. This is what, your third or fourth time on, right? 11 millionth time. I've been on all of the episodes. You, you just can't see me. You and Eric Dittleman are, are uh, competing for the most appearances on the show. Indeed. Uh, well, I am excited to have you here. I didn't tell you what this was about, but I did tell you that it was about Pepsi. Are you a consumer of soft drinks? Uh, not really. Okay. I've, uh, I've switched entirely to the, uh, like, I'm on the, the bubble water train. Oh, I can't do it. Sparkling water Actually, with no, no sugar or anything like that. I just, I like a little fanciness. I will tell you, uh, I enjoyed a sparkling water for the first time this week. I'd had sparkling water before, but I actually enjoyed it this week. I had some and I was like, you know what? I like this. So maybe, maybe I'm going to join that, that train with you. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I think a lot of the sodas are like way too sugary. Um, I was never really a big Pepsi fan when I drink, did drink a lot of soda, but even these days, like I just, it becomes cloying to me. I don't know. I mean, like I can't even drink bourbon because bourbon is too sweet for me sometimes. Yes. So I think, I, I think I'm just getting, I'm just becoming like a grumpy old man. <laughs> I've just never, like, all I do is just like play Lego and drink bubbly water. <laughs> I t- well, at least there's Lego. I told my wife the other day, I was like, I would like to learn how to like, iced tea because i've never liked iced tea but it is such an adult drink you know no kids drink iced tea it's literally just colored water when you get it from a restaurant i've never drank an iced tea at a restaurant and thought oh boy this is just an explosion of flavor yeah but that's (laughs) the point right it's like you it water water would be too boring so you have to get the iced tea because it's more than really just get it as an excuse to have a big pile of cut up lemons on the table because you need to send a message to the rest of the lemon trees. They know what they did. (laughs) I I like lemons. I actually eat lemons uh, straight up. Just like cut it and eat it. That's I love that. I I know that makes me weird. Let's play the game. Let's do it. You're like, enough. I'm just, I'm disgusted that you eat (laughs) lemons by themselves as a snack. Yeah. You're a monster. Yes. (laughs) Just as a snack. What's wrong? You're a you're a monster. And oh. I'm the one with eight bodies in his trunk. And, you're a monster. And what's even better is try this one. Uh, slice a fresh jalapeno and slice a lemon and put the two together and put them in your mouth. It's the Why best. Why would you do that? It's so good. I can't even describe how good it is. It's so good. So this so the jalapeno sets your mouth on fire and then the citric acid just makes it worse? Yeah. Yeah. This is how I, mean, I, I get my thrills. I regularly eat hot sauce made from Carolina Reapers, mm-hmm. but a lemon and a jalapeno in your mouth together at the same time with nothing else, not even a bit of fish Maybe, to well, be in there to make it seem fancy. But the fish is the only reason I know that it works. So it started where like, this is how I would eat smelts, you know, like um, when I'm eating like the small fried fish, but then I'm like, well, this is just a good combination. The fish is just getting in the way. So I don't need the fish. I just need the lemon. I, I, re- and the I regret coming on this Let's show t- all of all of the time. <laughs> Let's talk about Pepsi Cola. Uh, right. For this first question, we're playing for promo. So if you get it right, I'll mention your new offering to the Magic community on my Facebook page. Okay. And you have two offerings right now, so I could mention yes. both of them. If you get it wrong, you'll mention my microphone lecture on yours. The only that's offering that's I've a, ever had to the Magic community. That's a... I mean, mine carries weight. This is, it feels like a lopsided bet. Well, yeah, it, it does carry weight and 
my single product to the magic community has like a forty nine ninety five price point. So, okay. you know, right. if you sell one of them, that's that's pretty good. Well, I've endorsed it before, so I'll, I'll, I'm risking <laughs> I'm risking my, my current post not being the current one, okay. I think, is what's going on. All right. That's fine. Let's pl- yeah. play the game. During the Cold War, Pepsi-Cola worked out a trade deal with the Soviet Union to trade Pepsi for vodka. When and vo- they ended up with a small naval fleet, and it was at one time either the second or third largest in the world. Next question. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. Uh, I want you to hear the other question, uh, the other, the other choices that I came up with, though, because I put effort into them. A menagerie of more than 100 circus animals okay. or a Russian doll painted to look like Ronald Reagan. So the menagerie. Uh, so I thought that I might if you if you weren't familiar with the story that you might go for the menagerie of circus animals because you would think that I know your love for all things zoological and that you would like think that I chose you because of uh, the story or something. But you underestimated my love for all things terrible business deals. Um, <laughs> yes, but it's an yes. amazing story. It's so it good. Is. It, it's so good. And since you got it right, I will mention uh, your which product would you like me to push or both of them? It's totally up to uh, you. Push, push both of them. Both. You should put the Cincinnati Kid did pretty well, good. but uh, I actually think Boxed and Loaded is a better product. So we have so a lot I of think. people who listen to this podcast who are not familiar with magic or magicians. Can you can you tell them briefly what the Cincinnati Kid is? Yeah, the Cincinnati Kid is a gambling routine that doesn't require very much uh, skill at sleight of hand. So you basically uh, show somebody that you can shuffle a deck and then you're able to cut the aces out of the deck and then those aces transform into a royal flush. And there's very little skill involved. It's not self-working, but it's uh, it's a really great beginner trick if you're interested in getting into magic and anyone can do it. And it's available at penguinmagic.com. And to go a little bit to just peel back the the layer, I guess we we skipped this layer. Sometimes it blows people's minds that that's how we learn magic tricks. A lot of the time was that someone else creates it and then we sell it. Yeah. That's a thing yeah. that happens. You know, that we, we get the question all the time. If you're not allowed to tell the secret of a trick, how do you learn? Uh, and this is one of the ways that we learn is that someone who is a creative comes up with an idea, uh, a method, and they sell it to other magicians, which includes the rights to be able to perform it. Mm-hmm. And you can perform the Cincinnati kit if you want, but it's uh yeah, it's a fun little trick. Don't even have to be from Cincinnati. You can be from nope. anywhere. Nope. It's just, it's named after a movie about card cheats. That's right. Now, question number two, we're playing okay. for 12,000 internet points. Okay. Uh, so there are 12,000 internet points on the line. Which of these, I'm a, I mean, I'm a Twitch streamer, so I think I can actually issue you 12,000 spell points on my Twitch stream. Yes. <laughs> bits is that what they are on twitch bits uh no uh spell points have uh, or they're like channel points they have absolutely no monetary value oh that's fantastic they are only they're only used to turn my camera on and off and change the color of the lights in my office oh that's great you have your own currency once you step inside your office this is amazing yes very similar to rubles in the soviet union which of these soviet figures was not mentioned in billy joel's we didn't start the fire so i'm going to list three one of them was not mentioned in the song. Okay. Leonid okay. Brezhnev, Nikita Khrushchev, Joseph Stalin. Uh, I don't know any of the, I don't know. I don't uh, Billy Joel is a, uh, let's go with uh, Khrushchev. Khrushchev was mentioned. The okay. one that was not mentioned is Leonid Brezhnev. Brezhnev. That was going to be my second but guess. Brezhnev but... was mentioned in REM's The End of the World. It's the okay. end of the world as we know it. Uh, Leonid Brezhnev, Lenny, Bruce, and Lester Bang 
birthday party, cheesecake, jelly bean, boom. Were the were the lyrics there? Not an REM fan. I will, I will issue you twelve thousand internet points <laughs> forthwith. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Question three. We'll move right along. For this question, we're playing for a coveted The Internet Says It's True sticker. These are very hard to come by and extremely valuable. uh, And what you do with it is it sticks on things. Okay. Which one of these was a real name for Pepsi Cola before it was named Pepsi? A. Dr. Pepsum's Cure. B. Brad's Drink. Or C. Pemberton's French wine coca. I believe it's Brad's drink. You are correct. You win a sticker. The original name of Pepsi was named for its creator, a druggist named Caleb Bradham, named, nicknamed yep. Brad. So his concoction was referred to as Brad's drink. The, the name Pepsi comes from the fact that it helped dyspepsia or indigestion. And I was trying to throw you off with that third one, Pemberton's French wine coca, which if you're listening, you may have heard that. That was the original name for Coca-Cola. Yes. Question four. For this question, we're playing for a confession. If you get it okay. right, I'll tell you about a time something embarrassing happened to me. If you get okay. it wrong, you have to tell me an embarrassing story. Okay. You were recently mentioned in the New York Times for your work on ships of the Northern Fleet. Yes. Which one of these headlines did the New York Times run on February 2nd, 1992? So we're looking for one of these stories that would have been plausible in 1992. A. Berlin blockade backfiring. B. Bush and Yeltsin declare formal end to Cold War. Or C. Reagan shot, bullet removed from lung. I mean, these are all plausible. Is, is the answer that they're all, all plausible? The only, only one of them is, and I'll even go so far as to say only one of them is from the 90s in general. Um, and, and the other two are from other decades. It wasn't Reagan because I think Reagan was shot in the eighties. So then um, the other two were Berlin blockade backfiring or Bush and Yeltsin declare formal end to cold war. I don't think that there was a formal end to the cold war declared. So it's gotta be the Berlin one. The answer was B Bush and Yeltsin declare formal end to cold war. So whether or not there was an end to the Cold War, they declared it on the front page of the New York Times in the headline, the Berlin blockade backfiring I took from a 1948 newspaper headline. Okay. Uh, So we're talking there, the very, very, very beginning of the Cold War, just after World War II. Uh, So for that one, do you have an embarrassing story? Uh, Sure. I don't know how embarrassing it is, but I guess I haven't talked about it in a while. Uh, when I was in, I want to say it was middle school, maybe it was high school, it was middle school. Uh, I went to church because uh, I was a chump, and uh, the uh, the the church that I went to, they would send the middle school, the the youth group, the like the elderly youth group, the the older kids to uh, group work camp was which what it was called. Which <laughs> what? sounds like it sounds like something as a punishment, but it it wasn't. It was like you would go on like a mission trip. Um, I'm an atheist now, don't worry, um, but. Uh, you would have you would go to like an underprivileged area and you would like work on people's houses, sort of like Habitat for Humanity. But sure. you weren't building new houses. You were like working on other people's houses. And for some reason, I decided that I was going to do a Scottish accent and pretend, pretend I was from Scotland the entire time. Oh, my gosh. And uh, some girl thought that she found me out. Um, and then uh, and then I claimed that she 
uh, that it was a science experiment that I was doing, that I was working with a local college. <laughs> oh, no. And for some reason, she believed me. Um, and at some point, like the one of the, the pastor, like, like the fun youth ministers was like, we have someone who's here all the way from Scotland and pointed at me. And I was like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and uh, so it was like sort of a whole thing, which was like, and it was weird because the people in my youth group knew that I was doing this and none of them were like, the Bible says not to lie. You shouldn't do this. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. So but they're like, well, like except this, for when it's fun. Yeah. I, it was like, it was okay. So your, your belief structure, like, doesn't matter when I'm making a fool of myself or people believe this bad Scottish accent. Um, so when, uh, I'm curious when the youth minister told everyone that you were from Scotland, this youth minister was like, knew was you. like, yeah, fuck, he's playing bass. It's cool. But, the, uh, but this person knew you and knew that you weren't from Scotland. Hmm. They had no idea who I was. Oh. You had to like go and like check in at a desk at the uh, end of the day. Like Cause new, they would like okay. bring you back in like a windowless van. Oh. And, uh, it wasn't meant to look ominous, but it really did look ominous because it was like, because they just like rented like whatever it was. <laughs> in. So they bring you back from like the job site and you'd have to check in and like say what you did that day or whatever. The real Which, Im- so like, again, like it doesn't sound like a scared straight thing, but it's like, you know, then at night they had like, it was like a rock concert. We watched movies and pizza parties and stuff like that. But, you know, and, and we all talked about how much Jesus was wonderful. Um, <laughs> uh, it was it was weird and, and not fun. You, um, you went into this story with your embarrassment being about the Scottish accent, but really the real embarrassment was that you used to go to youth group. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Basically it was, <laughs> hey, I don't know. We don't judge last week's show was all about, uh, you know, the, the, the people who are religious are going to love, have loved last week's show. So I make no judgments, uh, on this podcast. Everyone is welcome. Um, but the, the, what is not welcome is calling a youth group trip, uh, work camp. There's no yeah, situation in like- which that's okay group work camp was li- like literally what it was called i can like remember the banners of like group work camp uh, and, and there were people in my youth group who were like super they're on board they were like yeah we're going to group work camp it was just like this this is not this is not good <laughs> oh I'm, I'm not into this did you get to keep the pickaxe that you had to pick to like break rocks with or no it was like uh we went one time i think we went to like uh like a place that had been hit by a hurricane, but like also like the brunt of the hurricane hit Florida. So there was just like minor flooding and wind damage in this area. So like we like worked on a guy's roof, but it was like, all we did was like spread tar on the roof. It was just like, it was really weird. Um, <laughs> Cause like the people we worked for, like weren't particularly like poor or underprivileged either. It was just like, it's a guy can paying- we come work on your house yeah. for free? And the guy was like, yeah, sure. Do you, the, want some iced tea? It's the guy who eliminate. donated the most to the church. He gets a free roof done by yeah, the kids. It was really strange. It is um, very I couldn't, interesting. You know, because like with Habitat for Humanity, like I kind of get it, right? Like they're they're making affordable housing, but this wasn't about me. This wasn't about making affordable housing. This was about sending children who didn't know a lot about uh, uh, like home renovation to do renovations on people's <laughs> houses. It was. It, it, like, it made zero. there were people I was in like uh, like groups because you you get like paired off into like like small groups and then they go out and like serve the community or whatever and I remember being in groups where like no one had ever done any manual labor in their entire life and we're just like well I guess we're gonna do this and it, it was just like I'm sure we like left the place worse than we found it <laughs> roof is leaking it's horrible yeah well uh, that is that is a fantastic story 
Uh, this is our final question, and this one, as you know, is for all the marbles. And if you get it wrong, mm-hmm. I'm banning you from the show, never to be asked on again. Okay. What is a piece of advice you would give to 17-year-old Eric Tate? Uh, don't let your nieces and nephews play with your Legos, because when you're 36, you're gonna be you're gonna get them back, and you're gonna want to build the cool the cool stuff from the 80s and 90s. And there's gonna be pieces that are missing and broken, and you're gonna be mad. That is fantastic advice. We'll we'll call that winning advice. Uh, you posted a picture recently of the Legos. You just got a bunch of Lego back from your childhood. Like- yeah, I. Uh, so my, the backstory there is that my therapist was like, "You have to have a hobby that you can't monetize," and I was like, yes. "I'll show you." Um, <laughs> I'm going uh, through this exact same thing. One of my clients yesterday asked me if I was making money with my photography, and I had to explain, you know, that like. I, I would love to do that, but I really have yeah. to. I think I have to have a hobby that's not monetized so that it doesn't feel like an obligation. It really is. And I tried to do like a bunch of others. You know, I tried to make it like video games or whatever, but then I started like making money on Twitch. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> now I again. have to uh, Twitch. And then I was, I was watching Lego Masters because um, like I've always like liked Lego. And I was like, I haven't built one in a while. And then I, I had to go to Target for something and there was like an end cap with like a box of like, it was like a set and it was like 20 bucks. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I'll just, maybe I'll play that. And maybe I'll just like get that and like build while I was, while I'm like watching the next episode or whatever. And this sort of like overwhelming sense of like peace came over me as I was just like following the instructions and building. And it became, I was like, oh, there's like, it's just the meditative act of building. Like I would love to like build my own creations and stuff like that. That would be really cool. But it's not even really about that for me. Same uh, with it me. It really is this like this simple is... meditative act of building uh, uh, things, whether I'm following instructions or not. And uh, and so I like reached out to my dad, who I knew had them still because I like had seen him in his house in Florida, and I was like, how much would it be? to Send those out to me. He's like, ah, you can just get them out of my house. Do you want them? And so a pallet showed up at my place like in a box truck um and the dude and, like on the it was like a week ago and it was the rainiest <laughs> it was the rainiest day in like the history of columbus there was like a two and a half foot deep puddle in front of my house that we carried it through we wow. like waded through it um and uh and i opened it up and it's all it's all still there i mean like my there's some stuff that's like broken or missing because my nieces and nephews play with it but like i was i was just I was I was joke I was being silly but I uh I guess this is for your Patreon people but this like space police ship is like from the 80s. Eric uh, is is holding up a so Lego Space was maybe one of their largest collections when we were kids in the 80s and oh, yeah. we had a ton, my brother and I had a, a ton of the Lego. I don't think we had that one. Yeah. It's like a black and purple spaceship. Uh looks like something that would be maybe out of uh uh what would be do you remember Captain looked, Power? Remember Captain Power? It was a um, yeah. You would have a ship or like would, almost like a, like a Voltron or like yeah. an old like anime space thing. Uh, I just found out by the way. I just finished this 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 thing and I realized it's a prison ship. So like my favorite what? toy to play with and build when I was a kid was a police prison transport. It's probably because they made um, you go to work camp. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, that's. that's <laughs> Uh, thank and, yeah, you so much for group, coming on the show, man. Group work camp. Yes. It's just like more, more child, more like more politically correct ways to, to do child labor. I think poor, is what is what the church poor is about. workmanship on rich people's roofs. Yes. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. Where can people learn more about Eric Tate? 
Uh, you can go to erictate.com. It's my website. I don't update it very often, but you can uh, see me. You can see me on Twitch at uh, twitch.tv forward slash suspicious wizard. The first I is a one. Uh, if you can't remember that or can't figure out how to spell it, you can just go to historicalporpoises.com and it goes right there because that's a <laughs> domain that I own that I can point to anything. Uh, and then also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Eric Tate, E R I K T A I T, and listen to me on the Penguin Magic Podcast. Just search up Penguin Magic Podcast. I talk to all of your favorite magicians about things that no one uh ever should i think that's the way to that's the way to promote my podcast <laughs> i talk to famous magicians about 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 dumb things so no there's some good, good really good topics on there uh and yep. and uh yeah I, I listen to that regularly thanks again for coming on man have a great week well that is all for this week thanks to mark for the show topic and eric tate for being my guest thank you for listening to the internet says it's true Don't forget to join up on Patreon if you want to see the unedited video of the guest appearance or to hear bonus episodes. You can do that at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. Also, if you learned something that you didn't already know from the show, please visit iTunes and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That's the rule. You gotta do it. That helps us a ton because that's how the algorithm works to get the podcast suggested to more people. And that way we can keep learning something new. If the internet says it's true. The internet says it's true. I'd like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help to make this show possible. Sean Brown, Catherine Morgan, Taylor Hurt, Tony Ford, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Matt McVeigh, Jim Martin, Joanne Martin, Josh Van Allen, and the show's official Emperor Kick Track. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge, and additional music this week was from Huma Huma. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17 USC Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. Don't forget to check out my TikTok. It's Michael Kent Live. 